the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's the Friday program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions and anything else that's going on in your life. I'll do the best that I can to provide you the answers from the Word of God. You need only to call us. Dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you're driving in your car, I remind you every day the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now button at the top of the screen and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, our main number is 340-9585. There is a lot going on here. We, we just today was our last day of school, so everybody's kind of taking a deep breath and getting ready for summer vacation. Uh, the kids are gone and that means I don't have my usual prayer posse here, so We had to do it ourselves, my producer and I did. So uh, you have been prayed for. If you have any questions or calls, then then we'd love to take them. Uh, It's also an important day for Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. This day, May 31st, 1995, was the very first time Calvary Chapel ever had a church service together. So this is our 24th birthday as a church. Uh, I look back on that time. I tell my church all the time, I said, look, I was a young man when I got here, and look what you've done to me. But uh, it, it honestly, it seems like it was just weeks ago, not years ago. Uh, and to have been able to see what the Lord has done and be a part of it day after day after day. It's not something that you can, from the beginning, say, okay, well, in 20 years we're going to be doing this, or 24 years we're going to be doing this. It's just something that happens every single day, and Um, The Lord's plan is he unveils it before us day by day. It turns out to be better than anything that we could have ever asked or imagined. So um, for all of you who attend Calvary Chapel, uh, those of you who are on the radio and, and help support this ministry, thank you very, very much. 24 years we've made it. I'm not a young man anymore, but uh, the Lord is still blessing abundantly. Uh, Just for some added information before we get into some questions that have been sent in. Um, Tonight, we will not be having our regular Bible study on Friday night. Uh, Tonight, the graduates, last night they spoke at their graduation ceremony. Tonight, the graduates will be addressing the church body. It gives them a chance to say thank you to a church body that has so generously supported the ministry of our free school you know, people think we well, have a free school, but believe me, it's not free. It costs a lot. And it's a completely supported ministry, supported by 
the general offerings of the people that call this their church home. Uh, and the kids get a chance tonight to say thank you, the, the um, people that are among those who contribute. Uh, they get a chance to see what they're getting for the money's worth. And it's always a pretty good return on investment um, for those kids, as you heard on the program on Wednesday, have been here all 13 years of their school career. And um, it, it's just an amazing thing that we get to watch. So that's tonight. We don't stop Bible studies very often, but uh, tonight is one of those nights. So if you were planning on coming and you wanted to do a Bible study, we'll be back next Friday night in order to do it. Uh, another thing I want to say, and I'll mention this again on Monday, and this is for the ladies. Uh, our Sweet Summer Devotion series starts on Monday, June the 3rd at 7 o'clock. It's when our ladies... Uh, Bible studies along with the men in the high school and junior high school Bible studies resume on Monday nights. Um, on summers, we do something different here with the ladies. It's uh, it's a time when the Lord will pick nine women or so, and they will share their hearts, their testimonies, or anything else that God puts on. And uh, it's a really, really well-attended event. Um, some of you who don't call Calvary Chapel your church home, Monday is a good time to come, and believe me, the ladies and their stories will bless you abundantly. We had a great call on the program um, Wednesday, or I think it was Wednesday. No, Wednesday was the kids, so it would have been on Thursday, maybe yesterday, when Paula was here. Um, somebody talked about the man born blind, and, and you know, there's great power in a testimony. And to see what the Lord has done and see where some of these women have come from is a huge, huge deal. So, that's Monday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, child care, of course, is provided. And because we have men's study the same night in uh, high school and youth studies, you can make it a family affair. Everybody can come, and the Word of God will be proclaimed. So that's all coming up. It's Communion Sunday here on Sunday. It is in many of your churches as well. So I pray that you enjoy a great feast. I get to teach uh, from Luke chapter 14 on Jesus uh, being at a party. And he was telling a, a parable about a great banquet that's being given. Uh, and we get to talk about that just before we have our own feast at the Lord's table. So all of that's happening this weekend at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Well, let me get to some questions and we'll get started today while we await your phone calls. The first one I want to address, I made a promise on Wednesday. We had a phone call from Lian, L-I-A-N was the way you spelled his name. And he asked me a question about uh, why I said his pastor was a false teacher. I asked him who his pastor was. He said John Hagee. A couple of things, Leanne, and I won't make this a long, drawn-out answer. Um, but I never talk about anybody except in response to a question. So I'm not a, on an anti-John Hagee crusade. It's It's nothing like that at all. I, I want it to be clear. I don't know. Pastor Hagee, uh, I believe that he is a Christian with all of my heart. Uh, I'm going to see him in heaven, and certainly I don't want to accuse him of anything, and I am not speaking ill of him because I don't know him. So this isn't at all personal. Um, having said that, um, it's his teachings that were commanded to measure against Scripture. Again, I don't know what his motives are. I have no idea. But his teaching is demonstrably false. Much of the time um, is a prosperity gospel teacher. Uh, you can listen to almost all of his Bible studies. And I, when I say that, generally, I'll bet you could just go and, and click on any teaching that Pastor Higgy does, and you're going to find he's teaching a prosperity gospel. Um, there's going to be an emphasis on money. There's going to be an emphasis on God wants you to be healthy, that God will bless your giving to the church, give to John Hagee Ministries, and God will then bless you because that's who God is. And there's so many problems, Leon, with the Calvary Chapel, I'm sorry, with the uh, uh, Prosperity Gospel um, Ministry that they're easy to point out. All you have to do is have your Bible while you're listening to him and you're going to find lots of stuff. Now, he preaches about a lot of safe things. He'll preach about patriotism. That's not a bad thing. He'll preach about righteous living, uh, uh, anti uh, uh, same-sex marriage, 
um, um, anti-abortion, those kind of things. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I would prefer that people teach the Bible, but that's not his thing. His thing is preaching. Um, he is an old-fashioned preacher, um, but the truth of the matter is there's that prosperity gospel that keeps coming up over and over and over And as a pastor who tries my best to be faithful to teaching the Word of God, what we see um, over and over as a result of the prosperity gospel is people whose lives are in ruins, whose faith has been shipwrecked because they don't get what the prosperity teachers promised them they'd get. I think prosperity gospel preachers pander to the flesh, not to the spirit. I think they give people false hope. I've said before, I think false hope is worse than no hope at all. And um, that's, unfortunately, a very, very large portion of what he teaches. Now, let me say something really good about Pastor Hagee. Uh, His unwavering support for Israel is commendable. He is uh, among um, well-known Christians, certainly. Uh, He is... um, one of, if not the biggest supporter of Israel, and he spends a lot of time and money in order to 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 generate support for Israel. He understands. God said, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And we as Christians, we have to be pro-Israel. We have to understand the anti-media bias against Israel. And Pastor Hagee does that. So, To his credit, he does that. Now, I'll say this that is troubling to me. Um, John Hagee and his ministry support a non-proselytizing effort towards Jews. Uh, He believes that Jews are going to go to heaven because of the old covenant. Uh, Not only is that wrong, but it's dangerous because it's simply not true. One needs only to read the first four verses of Romans Chapter 9, when Paul says, I'd give my place in heaven if only my brothers the Jews would believe. So Jews need to be born again. And uh, Leon, one of the things that we've got to do is tell Jews about our Christ. We've got to tell them who he is. And the idea that somebody, just because they're Jewish, is going to get to heaven is an insidious teaching. And uh, it is one that John Higgy Ministries um, is pretty... Consistent in declaring. So all of that to say, I don't know Pastor Hagee. Um, Pastor Hagee is a big deal. I mean, it would be, it doesn't matter if you're a supporter or a critic of his ministry. Uh, he is a big deal. Um, um, I'm a tiny, tiny, tiny dot um, in the Christian world. And, and Pastor Hagee is a much bigger dot with a lot more influence and Often people say, well, who are you to criticize him? God has so blessed him. I'm just telling you what he teaches. And what everybody teaches, including me, has to be measured against the word of God. So, Leon, there's nothing personal in that. If he is your pastor and you love him, and I hope that's the case, then maybe you can go to him and ask him about the prosperity gospel. Um, Ask him why he teaches it. There's so much written about the prosperity gospel that... We can get our hands on and measure versus the word of God. Uh, If you love him, then go talk to him in love and ask him respectfully why he's holding on to a prosperity gospel and whatever his motives are between him and the Lord. So, Leon, that's the best I can do with this. But listen to almost anything that he teaches. You can do it at random and you're going to find... a whole lot of evidence. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. 340-9585. Let me also say that uh, I've listened to his son, Matthew Hagee, a couple of times, uh, and I found him um, similar to his dad, but but somewhat more grounded. And um, I think uh, the future for Cornerstone Church is probably in good hands. So I I, I just hope and pray that that's the case. I want the best for the body of Christ and a faithful teaching John Hagee 
would add much to the church of Jesus Christ. Here is our next question. This one comes from Michael from our email inbox. Good day to you, and I hope that you and Paul are doing well. Uh, I had a question about Revelation chapter 22, verse 15. It says, outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Here's his question. So does this mean that there are going to be people living outside the holy city? I thought that everyone else's whose name, everyone else whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life was thrown into the lake of fire or the lake of sulfur, he says. Thank you so much for this radio ministry, and I pray for you and Paula and Calvary Chapel every day. Michael, thank you for that. We appreciate your prayers more than you can possibly know. Um, Revelation 22, 15. Now, outside are the dogs, Michael, is a reference to the lake of fire. So, um, before, the, the verse before, verse 14 says, Blessed or happy are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. And then outside, the next contrast, outside are the dogs. And that's a difference between heaven and hell. You've got the tree of life and eternal life in verse 14, and you've got everybody who's outside. That doesn't mean that they're going to be living. It means that they're going to be eternally dead, conscious, and in eternal torment. Um, Isaiah 66, verse 24 says, And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. That's the Lord speaking. For their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. So it's really important we get that clear. This is a reference to eternal torment. Um, It's a reference to uh, dogs in the ancient times. Dogs weren't like our dogs that are pets now. Dogs were, were scavenger packs and uh, they weren't looked on favorably. And he says the ones who are out there, those who practice magic arts, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. This is the possible, the strongest possible warning for those who by their own choice are outside of the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, Michael, watch out for those dogs those men who do evil, those mutilators of the the flesh. So who's outside? It's those who do not believe in Jesus Christ, those who are not born again. And this is an issue that is absolutely essential because it's an issue of heaven or hell. So we're talking here about practice and lifestyle. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or Galatians chapter 5, and it describes those, Michael, who will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is a you're in or you're out passage of scripture. Now, having said that, let me make one other comment. Um, as we know, because of the questions that we get, and I know because of the emails and the criticism that I get, there are a bunch of people that feel like a loving God wouldn't send anyone to hell. And people now are, well, if everybody goes to heaven, that would be great. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we found out that, that we were wrong and everybody's going to go to heaven eventually? And the answer to that question is always no. Those who who deny eternal torment are denying the very character and nature of God. It is a heretical position. And it's not to be entertained as though, well, you know, that's just what somebody believes, so they're free to believe it. Not that at all. This is as important as any other doctrine, because if we don't believe in judgment... Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. If we don't believe that to be true, then we've stripped all of the holiness, all of the fairness, all of the justice away from the Lord who calls us by name. The next verse in Revelation 22, Michael, Jesus puts his personal signature on it all. He said, I, Jesus... I've sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. That's his signature personally in the whole book of Revelation, but but in context on the passages of Scripture that are here as well. So it's very, very important that we understand that. So, Michael, I hope that makes sense. I hope that it gives you um, 
sort of an understanding of what we're trying to do there in Revelation chapter 22. Here is a question from our mobile app. This one came in from Scott. Um, Pastor Ron, is Babylon a physical city or country, or is it a symbol of the world system we will be under in the last days? Scott, the answer to your question is yes, it's all those things, except we who are believers will not be under that system in the last days. The Great Tribulation is a time, of course, you know, Scott, where Christians are going to be raptured and taken away from the scene of the judgment that's coming upon the whole world. That's Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, the promise to the church at Philadelphia. But as we read about Babylon, it is a physical place. It's modern-day Iraq. Uh, it is a city that in the end times will also be literal uh, and and uh, sort of a, a rejuvenated Babylon. Uh, it is, in my view, uh, Scott, where the Antichrist will set up his throne. Uh, it's a place that he will rule the world from. Uh, so it is a physical place. Um, um, Nebuchadnezzar, you might remember, used to have coins minted with his picture on one side of it and Nebuchadnezzar's picture on the other side of it. And he believed himself to be uh, the um, reincarnation of of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, Saddam Hussein is no longer uh, in this world. He is being tormented forever and ever and ever. But uh, it is a real place. But it's also a symbol of the world system. Uh, the world system in Revelation chapters 18 and 19, or I'm sorry, 17 and 18, where we've got ecclesiastical Babylon, which is the false religious system in the last days, but uh, also economic Babylon, which is the money that makes this current world system go around. So all of those things are true, except we who are believers, Scott, will not be under that at all. So uh, I hope that makes some sense. Let's take a phone call now from San Antonio, Frederico on line one. Thank you, Federico, for your call. You're on the air. You're welcome, sir. God, God bless you. Uh, I, I thank, thank God you. for Christians and preachers that are taking a stand and 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 risking uh, offending others that that they don't have don't preach the full gospel. And uh, I, I call them the partial gospel preachers because <laughs> <laughs> they just focus on certain things and not the full of the, the, the entirety. And you find that because of the, the apostasy, I guess, they're falling away and everyone's preaching according to their own thoughts and ways. And and I'm I'm so thankful to you that you you're making a stand and and we pray we we pray for Pastor Hagee and, and every other uh, preacher that has uh, fallen in the spirit of error. And that God may give them full understanding. And they may they may see the errors of their ways. Thank you, Federico. You know that is the godly response to um, people that we disagree with. Um, the godly response is to pray for them, not to get mad at them, not to call them names. And again, for you, yeah. Federico, and anybody else, I want to emphasize that I only talk about people when when asked specifically about them, and that is the 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 only time that I do. Uh, taking a stand for what's true is our duty as Christians. Yeah. And uh, because people are real, people get hurt because false hope kills. Uh, we've got to do this. And and while I do that, Federico, it doesn't give me any joy or any pleasure to do so. It's one of the things that absolutely breaks my heart. Um, I, I look at a, a ministry like uh, Pastor Hagee's that has been blessed abundantly. By the Lord, I believe that Pastor Hagee started out well. Um, and my prayer for him and for all those who, who proclaim a false gospel or a prosperity gospel, my prayer for them is that they will repent and finish well. You know, one of the people uh, that uh, Pastor Hagee has had at his church um, several times, I think, to, to speak to his congregation is a woman named Joyce Meyer. And um, uh, she is a well-known prosperity teacher and, um, you know, she is a lightning rod. She's either wildly popular or people just hate her. Uh, she is obviously a very gifted teacher, a very gifted communicator. But just recently, Federico, and this is why we need to pray for people, just recently she has come out and apologized for her over 
emphasis for her imbalance when it comes to the prosperity gospel. And that's, that's where we see the Spirit of God working. We see the hand of God moving. And it kind of shows us where these people's hearts really are. And my prayer is that uh, all of those who are proclaiming a false gospel, uh, rather than us wishing them accursed, uh, our hearts should be broken and moved to prayer. So uh, thank you for your godly response. And we will continue to, to stand for what the Bible says and, and for the truth and try to protect God's people from it. Federico, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, those are the, the things that, um, you know, it's easy to have a microphone and, and, and attract attention by saying bad things about people, but that's never the heart of God. And I can tell you, as I've been critical of John Hagee's teaching today, again in response to a question, I can tell you that Jesus loves him every bit as much as he loves me. It's not my job to judge. My job is to love and to pray. We have 30 minutes left in the week. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. If you're outside the local area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. It's the word to stand up for life. We'll be back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the program i need your prayers for the next 30 minutes we have been receiving word that we're we're experiencing a few technical difficulties uh every once in a while the system sort of gets ready to crash we wanted to last 30 more minutes we didn't have time to reboot so uh, pray that all goes well, and we apologize for any content um, uh, quality relative to the production. Uh, let's go to San Antonio, Texas now and talk with Omar on line one. Omar, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Omar, are you there? Omar, going once. Omar, maybe you can try to call back. I've got that you're on the line, but we can't hear you. Hold on, please, and Hello? we'll try to fix it. Oh, hi, Omar. Now we got you. Oh, you got me? I got you now. You're on the air. Okay, okay. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad you took my call. Um, I'm, um, I just wanted to really know what Matthew 19 is about, I mean, I don't know if um, you guys teach it. I know that there's a lot of preachers that I've heard differently about, especially marriage. And so I'm in a situation um, where I did divorce um, a second wife because I didn't understand Matthew 19, that Matthew was actually speaking to the Jewish betrothal or engagement period and so when that when when God convicted me of my own sin that that I was in adultery then Romans chapter 7 and and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 made sense that the exception that Jesus was talking about the you know uh, I, I like to read the King James version and okay. and I like to look into the Greek and the Hebrew and um, so I guess the original word was porneia. You know, Jesus said, Jesus said, except it be for porneia or fornication, you cannot divorce. And so I, now I understand. I, I mean, I don't know how you believe. Uh, I understand now that Jesus was talking about the engagement period. That's why Joseph was going to divorce the engagement from Mary because he thought she committed fornication. And so everything else now makes sense to me. And so... Uh, so I'm in a I'm in a very hard place where I had to make a, a hard decision. I am taking care of the kids out of this marriage that wasn't right before God, but um, I, I just wanted to get more I, I guess more insight 
if you have any, sir, thank you. Uh, I, I can. Can I keep you on the air just for a moment? Ask a couple questions. Are you married currently, Omar? No. Well, well. I mean, in God's eyes, I do have a first wife, and uh, when I when God convicted me of this, I told her because I, you know, all, all I've been doing is reading about this, and, it, and it's interesting to me that in Luke chapter uh, Luke chapter sixteen. Jesus said that not one tittle or, 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 you know, one jot of the law is going to be destroyed. Nothing's going to pass away. And right after he said that, he said that if you divorce your wife and marry another one, you're committing adultery, and whoever marries her who's, who's divorced commits adultery. And it just made, it, it you know, it all clicks now. It all, like, the Word of God just gave me a, a bigger revelation about marriage because that's how Jesus is with the church. Even though the church, you know, I know Paul writes that, um, that even if we're unfaithful, he's still faithful. He can't deny himself. And so now it makes sense to me that Jesus is never going to divorce his church, even though she sins against him, she cheats on him. And and now Hosea, the book of Hosea makes total <laughs> sense to me, and it's yeah. it's it, it, and it's uh it, like I said, it's a hard decision that I had to make. But now I'm I'm more I'm glad that God revealed that to me because I, I think there, there's not. I mean, I don't know, Pastor Ron. I, I mean, like I said, I don't know how you believe it. There's some people in my family. If like if they had a chance, they probably behead me, like Herod did. John the Baptist, because I, I've been trying to tell him about this revelation because it's, it's so heavy in my heart. Uh, Omar, are you are you uh, are you asking? And I'm going to get to the end, and I'll, I'll spend some time here because this is an important question. Are you asking? Are you able to marry again in the future, or are you just asking for clarity on what you think this revelation is? No, 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 no. I have clarity as I. At least I feel I have clarity. I know that God would want me to reconcile with my first wife, the one that's still alive. And until she dies, you know, um, I can't, I know I cannot be with anybody else now. And, um, and, uh, and currently she's, you know, she's remarried to someone, but, um, like I said, I, I talked to her about it and, uh, you know, she's not. She's just not getting that same revelation, and so I understand now what what uh, okay. the disciples told Jesus and Matthew. They said, you know, if that's the case, then that is better not to marry. <laughs> okay, Omar. Thank you very much. Would you listen on the radio? And I'll be real clear. I'm going to um, disagree with you, but I hope hope I can encourage you as well. Uh, a couple of things okay, here that right. we, we need to understand. Regarding this passage, I, I tell my church all the time that if you lose the Jewishness of Jesus's ministry, then you lose the importance of the message. That's really, really important for us to understand. Jesus was speaking to Jews who were under law. That's why he says, you know, Moses permitted divorce because of the hardness of men's hearts. Now, the context is is essential for understanding Omar, what's going on here is Jesus is being asked by Jewish religious leaders to settle a problem that they're arguing about. There were two schools of thought, um, uh, uh, primary among uh, Jewish rabbis. Um, One was uh, promoted by a a, a very famous uh, rabbi named Gamaliel. Paul mentions him. Paul uh, sat under his teaching growing up as a Jew. Another one was Rabbi Hillel, and they had completely opposite views of marriage and the law concerning marriage. Uh, One of them would say that you can divorce for any reason. If a woman makes you unhappy, you can divorce for any reason. Uh, and, And that's really the teaching that Jesus is addressing in Matthew chapter 19. And the other thing we need to remember is that Matthew 19 is not about divorce. Matthew 19 is about marriage. So we really need to... To, to keep that in mind. 
Um, so to those who would say, look, can we just uh, divorce for any other reason? The other school, represented by Gamaliel, the other school held that the only reason for uh, divorce uh, that was uh, approved under the law was for adultery. If your wife committed adultery, then you could divorce her. Now, I say it in, in that sense because the women had no rights at all. So Jesus was talking to men, um, and he was trying to kind of crash through their thick skulls. So uh, he was settling the question. He says, look, haven't you read that it was said in the beginning that God made man and woman one, and they're to remain married forever? That's the whole text. Now, obviously, the word gives us two reasons, and I'm going to add a third that I think we can safely extrapolate from it. There's two reasons for divorce that are justified under the law. One is adultery. I said that, unfaithfulness. The second is um, desertion. If the unbeliever leaves, let him leave, we're told. And and, uh, in that case, um, divorce is justified. It's certainly not what God likes, but it's justified. Uh, the third reason that, that I think um, they didn't deal with back then, but, but certainly we need to, is for uh, physical abuse. Uh, God certainly doesn't want any woman to stay in a marriage where she is under the threat of physical abuse. Now, having said all of that, I'm glad you mentioned Hosea, because Hosea is sort of the Old Testament equivalent to the Sermon on the Mount of the New Testament when it comes to marriage. God is saying, this is my ideal. And God was painting a picture with Hosea's marriage about how faithful he is, even when faithless Israel turns from him. So we've got to understand all of that. Now, here's where I think you've gone wrong in your understanding, Omar. Uh, The New Testament is full of grace. When Jesus said, every jot and tittle will remain, he didn't mean that we're under those jot and tittles. Because he's already freed us from the law. The law didn't produce the result God wanted, fellowship with men. That's why the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's very important that we understand that. So we also have to apply the New Testament teaching and concept of grace into these things. And Omar, when you're born again, the old is gone, the new has come. When you've repented of sin, that sin is as far from you as east is from west. And so while you did something, you divorced a wife um, who has since gone on to remarry, the worst thing that this woman could do, and and certainly not something you should ever even talk to her about or try to to, to plant in her mind, is that you and her should reconcile. That's simply not true. She is now married to another man. She belongs to him. He belongs to her. And there is nothing Uh, godly about trying to separate or divide that relationship. Um, You divorced her, at least that's the inference that I had, and when you divorced her, uh, she did exactly what she was free to do. Uh, When you deserted her, um, she's free to remarry. Um, The victim never is implicated in sin. Uh, So her remarriage is fine. Now, for you to say that since she now she belongs to you, since she was the first wife, and every jot and tittle of the law is going to stay with us forever, is to sort of try to manipulate her. And, and it's certainly not God's plan for you to do that, nor for her to reconcile with you. She needs to be left alone where she can serve the Lord in a, in a marriage where her and her husband, and hopefully this is the case, they're serving the Lord faithfully. So she's no longer your wife. You made a choice. Now, relative to you, if you divorced her without biblical reasons, Paul says if you uh, leave somebody and you don't have biblical reasons, then that we're to remain single. Now, it's not possible for everybody to remain single. Some people need to be together. Um, and, and I think if that were the case for you, then God will make that clear if you seek him. But, but this revelation, you're, you can't, have a revelation of the law that excludes the teaching on grace. And you certainly can't have a revelation that would have you destroy a marriage 
that your wife is currently in. You know, one of the things that we've had problems with over the years is people come in and they fall into this kind of a teaching. And while their spouse has left them and remarried them, they'll come in to me and say, Pastor Ron, I know that this is my soulmate. I know this is the woman or the man that God has for me. And I'm going to hold on because God's promised me that he or she is going to come back. God hasn't made that promise. That's just our flesh. So while she's married to somebody else, leave her alone. You move on walking with Jesus. And, and regardless of what happens later with, with, with regard to a, a wife coming into your future, possibly, Omar, right now you're like the Apostle Paul who says, you know, now I'm single, I'm going to be celibate, which means I can devote all my strength and all of my energy to the Lord. So I think your interpretation of the passage is wrong. Uh, I might um, ask you, um, Omar, to go to our website, calvarysa.com. And I did an extensive teaching on this passage, uh, and all the stuff on there is for free. So I think probably it's the second teaching I did, maybe the third in uh, Matthew chapter 19. Um, but remember, you've got to apply the new covenant. The Old Testament's been fulfilled in Christ. We have been set free from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law is that we couldn't attain fellowship with God through it. And grace changes everything. There's a book, uh, Omar, that uh, was written by my pastor, and I'll recommend it to you. Uh, you can get it online. It's called Why Grace Changes Everything. Uh, the the um, pastor is now with the Lord, but his name is Chuck Smith. Uh, and it'll give you a really good, clear picture of not only what grace has changed, but why grace has changed everything. So um, I think your revelation is discounting grace. So Omar, I hope that encourages you a little bit. God has a plan for you. I think you'll be fine, regardless of the choice that you make. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. You know, it's always tough to tell somebody that something that they believe God's revealed to them is wrong. But uh, I think there's a lot of times, especially when we want something to turn out a certain way, where we're not really considering the passage of Scripture, either in its original historical context or considering the rest of the Bible, the New Testament's teaching on grace. Grace is a wonderful thing. A wonderful thing. So Omar will be praying for you. Here's a question from our mobile app. Oh, we got a call first. Let me go and get the question in the mobile app later. Let's go to Ron from Mason County on line two. Ron, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Appreciate you. Hey, when you were talking to Omar, you mentioned soulmate. And my wife passed here in the last year. And I, how scripturally, how does the word soulmate apply to eternity in your mind? Oh, okay, Ron, I can do that. I'm sorry for your loss. And um, I know what a hole that must leave. So God bless you, man. Um, when, when I used the term soulmate, I was uh, paraphrasing what other people have said to me. Oh, he or she is my soulmate. Um, th- there's really no such thing in, in the, the way we understand it uh, as uh, as uh, New Testament Christians. You know, um, my wife, Paula, is my life mate. She's my soulmate. We've been together for 49 years and um, um, I can't imagine life without her. However, if she were to die, then I would be free to remarry if that's the case. Now, I can't imagine that happening. I know men who have remarried pretty quickly after the passing of a wife, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's just that, um, you know, Paul and I have been together since we were kids, really, and, and um, um, you know, uh, I'm just not... Uh, of that mindset. I, I just can't imagine uh, subjecting any other woman to, to what it's like to be married to me. Now, having said that, Ron, um, we can give thanks for your wife. Uh, we can appreciate all the wonderful things that we've done, but it doesn't mean that she was the only one you could have married. And the, the New Testament is very clear that when one spouse dies, the other is set free from the covenant of marriage. And that means we're free to marry again. It's, we're free to, to engage in other relationships. 
Um, you know, the truth is, whenever anybody comes to me with this idea of a soulmate, I just tell them, you know, the truth is we could fall in love with a hundred people or a thousand people if we're exposed to them. But here's what we all have to understand as Christians. The person that we are married to right now is the one that God intends us to be with until death do us part. But after the passing of a spouse, male or female, the surviving spouse is free to remarry. It's as though the marriage never happened in terms of heaven's perspective. It doesn't mean that we forget about him. It doesn't mean that we stop loving him so we can love somebody else. I had a good friend, who, uh, a pastor in Oregon, who lost his first wife uh, when, when they were both pretty young. Um, and he never thought he would fall in love again and remarry, but he did. And he explained it this way. He said, you know, it's not like God took his first wife's name was, was Tammy. Uh, it's not like God took Tammy out of my heart. It's just that he gave me a bigger heart, a heart big enough to love somebody else. And so, Ron, again, I'm sorry for your loss. At the same time, uh, treasure the time that you had with her. And if it's the Lord's plan to bring somebody else into your life, embrace it. Absolutely embrace it. Appreciate the question. You know, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I've got a couple of minutes and I'll go to Dale in just one moment. Um, um, uh, one of my dear friends, a pastor in Houston, um, he, he lived with his wife through the last nine years uh, of her life with cancer. And, you know, they were grieving the whole time because the, the end was, um, apart from a miracle, uh, imminent. And and so they lived with this threat. She She nearly died so many times. She spent so much time in the hospital. It was really a terrible time. And he remarried fairly quickly, within a year of the time that she... Uh, went to be with the Lord, and she was a force of nature. I mean, this this woman was just uh, such a godly woman, and people just couldn't imagine how he could remarry so quickly. And I used to tell him, look, they've been grieving together for nine years. Give them a break. They actually talked about him remarrying, and she would say, okay, you can remarry, but don't remarry her. Don't marry her kind of thing, uh, as they would have some fun with it. But, but you know, we're just free. God gives us freedom, and whenever God gives us freedom, we need to enjoy it. Let's go to Jonestown, Texas now, and talk with Dale on Line 3. Dale, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. Um, I was listening to Omar, and that's an issue I had struggled with in the past, too. I hope this is helpful, because okay. although I know we're under grace, it's, it's hard. The law does creep into your mind sometimes. But <laughs> it does. Just uh, Deuteronomy 24, verses 3 through 4, where after divorce, uh, a man's prohibited from taking his first wife back after she's been married to another. Mm -hmm. So just a biblical perspective, because I've gone through that same turmoil myself, and I found that... yeah, thank you, Dale. And you know what? I, I actually used that in that teaching that I did in Matthew chapter 19. And the idea there is God under the law. Remember, though, the law is unyielding. There's no flexibility in the law. You either keep it or you don't. And what God is saying is, look, if, if you've divorced her and she's gone on and remarried somebody else, don't bring her back because that would defile the marriage. And he's talking about both marriages, the one she's currently in and the first one that has that already ended. Uh, and what he's doing there is he's trying to emphasize the severity of the covenant that we make when we marry. God is simply saying, you made me a promise. I expect you to keep it. He talked, uh, Omar did, about um, Hosea. Um, imagine what a life that this prophet was called to. And, and all as an illustration of God's unfailing love to his faithless people. And so the idea there is he's telling them, and I tell people the same thing in pre-marriage counseling, look, you're going to make a promise to God, you're going to make it to me, and you're going to make it before your family, friends, and the church. When you get married, that this is it, and the world around us says it's okay to divorce, God wants me to be happy, God wants you to know how seriously he takes the promise. And while grace is a wonderful thing, we don't trample on grace either. So we've always got to strike that balance. Dale, great question. Thank you very much for caring enough to encourage Omar. 
Here's uh, this will be our last question today um, from Paul on our mobile app. He says, are people not chosen by God predestined to hell? Uh, the answer is yes, Paul, but probably not in the way that you're thinking about it. Um, it's not like God chooses one person says, you know what, I'm going to choose you for heaven. And then looks at another person. No, I choose you for hell. And unfortunately, that's what Reformed theology and five point Calvinism has uh, sort of diminished our thinking to uh, either chosen by God or you're just out and there's nothing that you can do about it. So God chooses people who are going to choose him. First Peter chapter one, um, Romans chapter eight, verse 29 talks about God's predestination based on foreknowledge. God's choice is based on his foreknowledge. Foreknowledge of what? He is aware of who's going to say yes and who's going to say no. The only way to get to heaven is to say yes to God. So we say, well, how do I know if I'm chosen? I tell them, look, if you say yes to God, you know you're chosen. If you say no to God, apparently you're not chosen. But it doesn't mean God ordered it. God didn't cause it. God gives us the freedom to choose. He just knows what choice we're going to make. So anybody not chosen by God, because they won't choose God, is going to go to hell. But it's a condition that they can change at any moment during any day. All they have to do is say, you know what, Lord? I'm sorry. I'm stupid. I repent. Please forgive me. And suddenly God puts them in the chosen column, and he knew it all along. So people have a choice, and every time we choose To go to hell, we do so literally over his dead, and I would add resurrected body. So, Paul, don't get trapped with this pernicious Calvinistic teaching that some people have no choice at all. Hey, been a good week on the program. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, tonight we'll have our graduates, not seniors anymore, but our graduates addressing the church here at Calvary Chapel. Please pray for them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'll see you, Lord willing, on Monday on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.